all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. here on Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner and associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today, we're going to be talking about Parkinson's disease, and I have a special guest who will be joining me, Dr. Juaben Wong. He is an associate professor of neurology, also at UMMC. If you have questions or comments for us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can always email us fit at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Dr. Wong. Good morning, Josie. How are you doing? I am wonderful. I'm so happy to have you on the show and to talk about a topic we've actually never done a show about. And so it'll be a new show for our listeners. And first, let's start with just telling us a little bit about what you do at UMC. Good. Great. And then, so, uh, again, as uh, and Joseph introduced, and I'm an associate professor of neurologist. I'm a neurologist here at UMMC. And I'm seeing patients with a focus on uh, so-called neurodegenerative disorders, such as Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, Huntington's disease. You know, Parkinson's disease is one of my favorite patient population I'm seeing a lot. And one of the, you know, the so-called movement disorder doctors here in town in Jackson, Mississippi, I'm also engaging in research and education teaching of um, in a neurologic disorder, including Parkinson's disease. Wonderful. So people may not be super familiar with Parkinson. They've probably heard the term, but what exactly is Parkinson's disease? Great. I think, you know, again, you know, today is a very, you know, good day to talk about Parkinson's disease because I know in the, the last, the past Monday, uh, April 11, was uh, actually World and Parkinson's Disease Day, and then this yeah. whole month of April is actually Parkinson's Disease Awareness Month. So let's talk a little bit about Parkinson's disease. And, you know, uh, anyone heard the, the name Parkinson's disease would know that this is a, a disease named after a person, and then his name is Mr. or Dr. James Parkinson. He's a, um, he was a surgeon physician in in you know, Britain and London, Britain, and uh, uh, 200 years ago, he made some observation of people walking around um, in the community around the hospital with uh, shaking in their hand and also shuffling while they're walking. 
So he, he, I thought this might be a very distinct disease. And, you know, he observed about five, six patients around that time. And then he wrote a paper called Shaking Palsy. And then later, about, you know, 15, 100 years later, people realized that that's really a distinct disease with, you know, distinct pathology, uh, you know, symptoms and the treatment. So they called it Parkinson's disease. So as I mentioned about, you know, tremor and, you know, shuffling are the two key um, symptoms of Parkinson's disease. You know, oftentimes patients will have a shaking in one or both of their hands when they, uh, you know, their hands are resting or when they reach out to do things with their hands. They also have difficult walking with the slow and, uh, you know, sometimes shuffling uh, gait with, um, uh, you know, a very um, distinct posture as well with head, uh, you know, kind of like uh, turned down and the, the bike and flexed um, in the so-called stoop posture. And oftentimes Parkinson's patients are hyphen in older age, uh, usually um, above 60, 65 years old, but it can happen in younger patients as well, and uh, it's a condition affected men more than women, and how common is Parkinson's disease is, um, you know, and, and a big number is that about 1% of people aged 60 or older have Parkinson's disease. So it's a very common uh, neurologic disorder. So you mentioned some of the kind of common symptoms that, that can be seen, like the, the tremor, usually in the upper extremity, like you mentioned, um, a shuffling, slower gait, and then kind of that, that leaned over, stooped position. But of course, not everybody that has a tremor is going to have Parkinson's disease. Um, that's why it's important that if, you, if you're experiencing any of these symptoms that you talk with your healthcare provider so that you can get, uh, you know, an accurate diagnosis of what's going on because there are other causes of tremor some that are completely benign and then some that can be symptoms of of other things going on so if someone you know is concerned about themselves or a loved one maybe starting to have some of these symptoms you know who's the best person to reach out to is that just their primary care provider yeah that's good because again you know appreciate that you know um uh explanation about you know I agree not every tremor is Parkinson's disease there's a lot of things can cause uh, tremor there is a lot of things can cause violence problem and walking difficulty so you know if you experience any of those symptoms including tremor and difficult walking or even any other and symptoms associated with it you know the best way is to first check in with your primary care doctor and usually they will run some, you know, tests and or do some examination based on, you know, their, you know, knowledge. And then they will decide if a referral to a neurologist will be needed or not. You know, if they feel like this could be a Parkinson's disease or other conditions neurologically, they will make a referral to for you to see a neurologist. And you know, Parkinson's disease, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is largely a, um, a diagnosis of kind of, like clinical, there's not necessarily a blood test or an imaging test that's going to say, oh, look, this is Parkinson's disease. Um, but we've got to rule out some of those other things that could be causing some of the symptoms, right? Yes, that's correct. And then typically, you know, this is um, 
and based on um, the doctor will have to take a very good history asking how long has the tumor been there, how long has the uh, walking difficult been there, and then, you know, which part of the body is affected, and then how did it progress, and, and then, you know, asking other symptoms, including, you know, speech change, and including, you know, any stiffness, slowness of activities, and then, you know, the doctor is going to do a thorough examination of, uh, you know, uh, overall general neuro- uh, examination and also neurologically see if there is an, what, what kind of tremor you have and what kind of uh, slowly stiffness and also watch you walking in the office. And then, you know, after that, they're going to run some tests and maybe, you know, get a, you know, brain scan, you know, such as a CAT scan or MRI. But it's just for ruling out other, you know, conditions that can cause similar symptoms as Parkinson's disease. I agree that there's not a very single test to, you know, uh, we can do to diagnose Parkinson's disease. There's some brain scan recently developed that can potentially help increase the certainty of the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So do we know, do we have a good understanding of, of why it happens? You know, what, what causes it? That's a very good question. I think, you know, we um, classified Parkinson's disease into the category we call it's a degenerative brain disorder. And the degeneration process of the brain um, usually occurred in older age and also usually occur in the background of a lot of other factors that we don't know. So in a single word, we really don't know exactly what caused the Parkinson's disease, but there's some, um, you know, uh, suspected, you know, so-called risk factors and, and protective factors. You know, for example, people know that, you know, in the news, we and we talk always about, you know, for example, pesticides and, you mm-hmm. know, can be a risk factor for Parkinson's disease. We also interestingly know that smoking is a protective uh, factor for Parkinson's disease. That means, you know, people who don't smoke have a, you know, lower chance of, uh, have a higher chance of developing Parkinson's disease. But, you know, as a doctor, we always <laughs> have to say that we cannot, you know, ask people to smoke in order to pre- um, prevent Parkinson's disease because there's so much other risks of smoking, such as, you know, heart disease, uh, stroke, and cancer. Exactly. So it's one of those things where it was kind of surprising to to see that and read that and go, okay, but then it cancels it out because there's too many other kind of negative consequences of of smoking to, to justify the protective benefit to that. Um, there's also some, some caffeine consumption also tends to be a little bit protective. Is that correct? That's correct. Caffeine is one of the good things, you know, that, you know, has, a, you know, in the uh, research study can actually protect the Parkinson's disease. Which as a, as a coffee drinker, that makes, that makes me happy. Um, but again, if you're not a coffee drinker, we don't have to necessarily start doing those things. I'm Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org. 
For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking. Join us as we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions. Whatever the issue, let's try to figure it out together. You can listen live Tuesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. You're listening to Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. And I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today joining me, I have Dr. Wong, who's an associate professor of neurology, also at UMMC. And we're talking about Parkinson disease today. And we've kind of gone through, you know, what Parkinson is, uh, you know, how, kind of some of the disease symptoms of it, uh, some of the ways that we can diagnose that. And then, you know, some of the ways that we can prevent it. And I really appreciate that uh, based off, you know, our show. We always look for ways that we can prevent um, disease if possible. And then also ways that we can uh, support the disease course as it, as it progresses over time and help people live well with, um, with whatever disease process they have. If you have a question or a comment for us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb Ring and we do have a caller on the line. Uh, we will go to Brookhaven and say good morning to Jeremy. Good morning. Um, I just had a quick comment. Um, I, I, I was you were talking about uh, using nicotine. Well, you were talking about how smoking is uh, sort of prevent preventative, but I was just going to comment and say that it's not the smoking, it's the nicotine, and you can get mm-hmm. nicotine from other sources such as bell peppers, have nicotine in them. They don't have to well, smoke. Well, you know, I, I did not know that bell peppers have nicotine, and I would consider myself a bell pepper expert, so I'm intrigued by that. Uh, yeah, sure did. I've, I've read that. Uh, so I just wanted to make that comment, and I, I appreciate the show, and y'all have a good day. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And that, uh, did you did you know that, Dr. Wong? Yeah, I just heard the first time. I think it's, a, you know, I know, and we always learn from our audience, you know. Yes, absolutely. And I actually just see the study that he is talking about actually kind of associating that with Parkinson risk. So that is a paper that I will have to pull and take a look at because that's so interesting. You know, I absolutely adore the role that nutrition plays in not only disease prevention, but in treatment and reversal of uh, certain disorders. So that makes me very excited there. I will I will take a look and, of course, bring that information back back to the listeners when I find out, you know, everything that's going on in that study. So, Thinking about, you know, Parkinson's disease and, you know, 
usually we consider it a later in life onset. Like you mentioned, over the age of 60 um, and some of the, you know, prevalence of this particular disorder. But what is the, like, what's the disease course? And I know there are some stages to Parkinson. What are those? Yeah, that's a very uh, important question. And now, you know, we we said Parkinson's disease is a progressive disease, but and then it's um, you know very gradually answered and a slow progression disease. I think you know oftentimes, and when you know we make a diagnosis for you know someone Parkinson's disease, it means that you know the disease course can last um, you know anywhere between you know ten twenty years. Um, so it's a uh, you know, the progression is going to be there. If you look at back, you know, last year, the year before, there's progression. But, you know, also, it's slow, progressive, and then there's medication to treat, the, you know, the disease. There's other approach. And oftentimes, people can live with the Parkinson's disease just like, you know, other medical conditions, one of the older age medical conditions that, you know, we have to live with, and that there's a a lot of way to fight with the disease to handle the disease. And, and and a lot of us know that Mr. Michael J. Fox, he has Parkinson's disease, was diagnosed when he was very young, you know, around 30 years old. And you can see that he's still very active. That means that, you know, Parkinson's disease, it really it's um, a disease that, you know, we have a way to 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 fight with it, it's uh, it's going to progress, but you know doesn't mean you're going to just wait and say you know the disease take on you, but you know you're going to have to stay on top of the disease. Mm-hmm. So is is there a delay in diagnosis for some people because the symptoms are kind of so kind of slower in onset that some people kind of think they might sure. be related to something else or just part of the normal aging process. Yes, and that's that's uh, that's right. Oftentimes, you know, when we said you know, staging of the disease, the first stage usually we call prodromal Parkinson's. That means there's you know, a patient you know may experience some symptoms, but the symptoms is very subtle, or the symptoms are very non-specific. They may uh, you know have um, you know first time mistaken for another condition. Or, you know, oftentimes we'll say, well, maybe just uh, I'm older, I'm getting old, so I'm a little bit slower, I'm a little bit, you know, shuffling. And so, and and also sometimes the initial symptoms may be something just like mild fatigue or the handwriting might be a little bit shaky. Um, sometimes they have a little bit mood swing, irritability, depression, or have a lack of effect, you know, the so-called mask the face um, phenomenon. Those symptoms mm-hmm. are subtle and non-specific and goes on for years without being recognized by family or the doctor even. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after that, you know, with the prodromal stage, and then typically a patient will develop a little bit tremor or shuffling gait or stiffness slowly. It's much more prominent to the point that, you know, the family or the patient themselves will be concerned and when they show up to the doctor's office, the doctor will be able to, you know, recognize those symptoms and make a diagnosis. But, you know, that's usually the mild stage when the patient's still relatively independent. They can carry on most of the activities without any difficulty, with, without a little bit of help from medication. And then after the disease progresses to the moderate stage, they are going to live with some deficit, some, you know, disability, but 
still able to remain relatively independent. And then the later stage, the more advanced stage of Parkinson's disease means, you know, usually they will have a lot of more disability and they will have to work with the device, such as a walker or a wheelchair. They have a lot more. We're going to talk a little bit later about non-motor symptoms of Parkinson's mm-hmm. disease uh, at that stage. Um, so typically the disease is about 10, 20 years, although we always have to say that each single individual with Parkinson's disease is very different and, you know, from that standpoint. Absolutely. And so if there's kind of one, like, misconception that or one big kind of misconception that people have about Parkinson's disease that, you know, we can kind of clear up for them, is there, is there something out there like that? Yes, I think you know, the most common one is that we always said Parkinson's disease is a movement disorder, is a motor mm-hmm. disorder that you know we always know that you know it causes tremor, stiffness, slowness, and shuffling gait. But you know a lot of them we don't know, we or we don't pay attention to the so-called you know non-motor symptoms. Those are symptoms that part of the Parkinson's disease, but oftentimes we have a tendency to ignore or not pay attention. And the reason I said and that's a misconception is that, you know, non-motor symptoms of Parkinson's disease are as disabling as the motor symptoms of Parkinson's disease cause a lot of disability and also uh, impair the quality of life of the majority of the Parkinson's disease patients. Yeah. And when we're talking about motor symptoms, that's kind of largely like movement and muscle type symptoms. So the shuffling gait, the tremor, um, even some of the, you know, the posture things and even the facial muscles where you talk about that kind of mask-like um, faces that we often see. When we're talking about non-motor, what are some of the, the common non-motor symptoms of Parkinson's? Great. I, I, you know, when we talk about non-motor symptoms, you know, it's, uh, you know, we have to think, you know, Parkinson's disease, as we know that, you know, that the, you know, primary pathology is that, you know, there is a lack of dopamine, which is one of the chemicals in the brain and that driven the, you know, the, you know, motor symptoms, but also it can, you know, dopamine is very important for a lot of, um, you know, function of the brain, including mood, hyperlis, and the, you know, other um, um, things as well. And also, we have to understand Parkinson's disease not only affected dopamine system, but also cause uh, imbalance and the deficit of other chemical in the brain, such as serotonin, such as uh, acetylcholine, and the other um, chemicals that can be related to a lot of symptoms. You know, in general, we think, you know, we uh, um, we classify non-motor symptoms into, um, you know, those affecting the autonomic system of the body. That means, you know, the bladder control, the GI uh, system such as constipation, such as stooling, uh, or the, you know, cardiac and the vascular system, you know, those patients can have uh, the so-called, you know, orthostatic hypotension and, you know, excessive sweating, you know, and and, par- and Parkinson's disease affected those systems. And another aspect is that Parkinson's disease can as- affect sleeping, you know, mm-hmm. cause the so-called excessive daytime sleepiness. People just uh, being very sleepy, even they have a good night's sleep. 
And, and another very interesting uh, symptoms is what we call uh, the REM sleep behavior disorder. We know that REM, R-E-M stands for rapid eye movement. That's a phase of sleep we all have. Typically in that phase, we, uh, our body is very relaxed. We don't act out. You know, with Parkinson's disease, uh, oftentimes they can have, uh, you know, sleeping problem that they, you know, they have vivid dreams, violent dreams, and they act out during those dreams uh, as they are attacked or they're chased, and which cause injury because they're going to punch back, they're going to kick their legs, or sometimes they're going to, you know, kick their partners. And that's a very disciplined symptoms. You know, other, you know, non-motor symptoms also include neuropsychiatric, such as, you know, memory loss, such as uh, depression, anxiety. And later stage, they can have something like, you know, confusion, hallucination, delusion, and, you know, impulsive control disorder. And we said Parkinson's disease is a motor disease, motor um, disorder, but also it can affect the sensory. For example, Parkinson's disease can cause the, you know, the so-called hypothesis. That means it's a loss of the sense of smell. We know mm-hmm. that COVID can cause the loss of sense of smell. Parkinson's disease is a well-known disease that can cause the loss of smell function as well. Other symptoms including pain, you know, a lot of Parkinson's disease patients experience a lot of pain around their body. And, and also and other non-motor symptoms would include something like fatigue. You know, some, sometimes they just don't have a reason. They feel tired all the time mm-hmm. or weight loss, weight gain. So it's a Absolutely. spectrum of a lot of symptoms affecting different organ systems of our body, and, you know, but all have some association with Parkinson's disease. Yeah, I mean, it really it's far reaching when you look at the different body symptoms that it can impact. And so, you know, so much more than just a a movement issue. And, you know, a couple of the ones that I'll kind of pick out from there, because we've talked about them a lot on this show are things like mood and depression. Um, And, you know, having that impact on serotonin plays a role in, in that as well. And then also the sleep. Um, Actually just did a show pretty recently, a couple of weeks back about, sleep and the importance of sleep and how it relates to all these other parts of our body, including our heart health and control of our blood sugar and, you know, weight management if we're trying to eat better and lose weight. And so, you know, not addressing those symptoms would be, you know, uh, really decrease kind of quality of life for people that are living with Parkinson's disease. And so, um, constipation, you mentioned, and you know, bladder control. While those may seem kind of, kind of low on the on the list of priorities, those really speak to quality of life and being able to go and do things, and um, you know, and not feel self conscious and all of these different types of things. So it's really important that we focus not just on you know control of kind of these symptoms that we can see, like the movement part, but also these kind of more hidden symptoms that people are dealing with and make sure that we address them and that we get them the support that they need to to deal with those kinds of things. I'm Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org 
For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes. That was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC. And joining me today, I have Dr. Wong, who's an associate professor of neurology at UMMC. And we've been talking Parkinson's disease today. If you have a question for us or a comment, our number is 1-877-672-7464. And we do have Jenna from Madison on the line. So we'll say good morning and how can we help you? Good morning. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? Um, I'm good. Uh, You all were talking about the non-motor symptoms. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering if the, um, and I've had Parkinson's disease for 11 years, if the neurologist oversees all of these, like the sleep problems and the Mm -hmm. gastro problems, or do you need to see specialists in those areas? I personally am having some breathing difficulty, so I don't know whether to see the neurologist or if I need to go to a pulmonologist. Wonderful. Well, I will turn that over to the neurologist to answer that question. Okay. Thank you, Gina. And, and I, that's a very, you know, excellent question on oftentimes when uh, our Parkinson's patients, you know, they experience symptoms of non-modal dysfunction. Oftentimes they're wondering, you know, do I need to tell my neurologist or do I just go by my primary care doctor? I think it's both. I think a lot of time your neurologist may know your Parkinson's disease very well, and so can your neurologist container your, you know, treatment plan into your, you know, Parkinson's um, motor function treatment plan. So um, we know that a lot of the, you know, treatment for motor function can actually help the non-motor symptoms, such as, you know, uh, um, we know that dopaminergic treatment can help improve the depression, anxiety, fatigue, some of the pain, and also we know that, you know, Parkinson's disease, high fluctuation of the motor symptoms, some of the, you know, non-motor symptoms may be just part of the fluctuation of the, you know, treatment. So, we, you know, that your neurologist can actually take the non-motor symptoms into, you know, the consideration of our overall treatment plan, and also neurologist knows how to avoid some of the treatment that may actually actually aggregate, you know, worsen the Parkinson's disease. But on the other hand, you know, we oftentimes have to realize, that, for example, you know, we have patients come in and say, I have, you know, and my bladder is not working. I get up a lot at night to go to the bathroom or, you know, have, you know, have to wait, you know, for a long time to urinate. So sometimes we always have to think about, you know, there's different things can kind of cause bladder problem. 
we always have to, you know, have you check with your primary care doctors or urologists to make sure there's not a, another condition and that can cause your uh, bladder problem. For example, for guys, you know, we always have to think about prostate enlargement first before we treat as a Parkinson's non-motor symptoms. And the question you raised about, you know, breathing difficult, you know, which it's, um, we know that sometimes Parkinson's disease um, can cause uh, breathing difficult as part of the, you know, in coordination of the muscle, of the, you know, breathing muscles. But oftentimes, the first thing I always want to make sure you go see your primary care doctor or pulmonologist to make sure this is not a lung disease, disease or heart disease and before we actually treat as part of the Parkinson's disease. So that's a very good question. So we kind of like the new allies, we have to work with your primary care doctor or other specialists to treat the condition and then in order to not miss anything, in order to maximize out the, the best and, um, you know, quality of life for you. Yeah, that's a, a great question. And, you know, me as a, as a primary care provider, I kind of agree. It's it's kind of both, you know. So if you know if I was seeing you as primary care and you called me and, and told me this, one of the questions I had, or you know, if you came in to see me, would be, you know, have you let your neurologist know? Because we want to make sure that we're keeping everybody in the in the loop, so to speak. Um, and then again, we can't just always assume that it is you know directly related to the Parkinson. It could be something else. So that's you know why either a pulmonologist or a primary care provider or something like that to kind of help us figure out exactly what's going on is a good idea. But it brings up a really um, good uh, point that the multidisciplinary team is really going to be foundational in treating any type of chronic illness, right? You know, you mentioned um, the bladder issues, and so we may have urology on board to help with some of those things. Or, um, you know, there's there are pelvic physical therapists that help with, you know, the tone and strengthening some of the pelvic floor muscles that, that may be beneficial to help with that kind of thing. Or if it's depression and anxiety, you know, we may need uh, clinical psychologists and, and counselors to help work through some cognitive behavioral therapy and those types of things. So it, it really is going to be a, a team approach, but I don't think you're ever wrong in, you know, letting your neurologist know what's going on and, you know, looping in your primary care provider as well um, so that they're aware and can look at it from the totality of your, um, you know, your, your health and wellness in general. But that's a wonderful question, Gina. Thank you so much for, um, for giving us a call this morning. All right, and if you guys are listening and have a question or a comment, that number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. And remember, you can always email us um, fit at mpbonline.org anytime. All right, um, so let's talk a little bit more about you know some of the the treatment strategies for the the motor symptoms, right? So for some of the tremor for um, the, the um, shuffling gait, those kinds of things, what types of medications are usually prescribed for people with Parkinson's? Yeah, so that's uh, um, the principle of treating Parkinson's disease. And we, we have to understand, first of all, you know, um, we still don't have a cure for the disease. So, um, um, you know, I think, you know, none of the medication we prescribe to patients, that it's going to be a cure to stop the progression of the disease. But, you know, there is a lot of medications out there kind of help, um, you know, the symptoms of the disease. We call it symptomatic treatment. 
So the the principle to treat Parkinson's disease is, you know, um, we know that Parkinson's disease is caused by the degeneration, deterioration of the dopaminergic um, neurons, the cells in the brain. As a consequence of that, is a, there is a lack of dopamine. So the you know the centerpiece of the treatment is actually increase the amount of you know dopamine in the brain. You can either use medication, get into the brain to replace the deficiency of dopamine, or you use medication to stimulate the brain to make it you know so they can move and they can produce a little bit more dopamine. Or you can, you know, use other medication to stop the breaking down of the dopamine in the brain. So then, then that effect of all the treatment is increase the available of dopamine for motor function. And, and then, you know, because it's an artificial way to replace that process, so the doctors will is try to tailor that treatment plan into individual uh, patients' need, you know, is at the stage of the disease, the primary symptoms of the disease, and then, you know, um, you know how how high function is the, you know, the patient still is the patient still at work, or and um, young patients have a higher demand of, you know, uh, quality or you know activities. So you know, uh, and so unlike that. So that's the medication treat part, you know, and we always have to emphasize that, you know, we we don't want to just everyone just rely on the medication. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of non-pharmacological approach. Exercise is the most important approach to help Parkinson's disease patients to stay active, to maintain their, you know, independence. And we always say that exercise is the best medication for Parkinson's disease. Not just saying that, and there's actually scientific evidence behind that that shows exercise program can slow down to some degree of the, you know, um, deterioration of the brain cell, the, you know, uh, pathology. So exercise definitely is, uh, no matter what kind of exercise, is probably very important, and, and it's not, something the doctor can do for you. It's, it relies on yourself. You have to be the captain to, you know, carry on the exercise program for yourself. And there's other approaches such as surgery, you know, such as and some of you may have heard about, you know, deep brain stimulation and for treating some symptoms of Parkinson's disease, such as the tremor, the stiffness, slowness. And so that's another approach. Overall, we said we have to think about medication, non-medication, exercise, or other therapy program, multiple disciplinary approach, and also surgery depends on, you know, uh, individual um, patient's um, status. Absolutely. And that, you know, it makes me very happy that you mentioned exercise uh, because, you know, here on Healthy and Fit, we like to look at lifestyle factors that we can employ to help people, you know, improve their, their chronic illness. And, you know, exercise, while there's great, you know, kind of like you mentioned, science behind, you know, why it helps with the, the primary symptoms of, of Parkinson's, it's also great for those kind of non-motor things that we were talking about, like sleep, depression, constipation, all of those things. Exercise helps, helps us sleep better, helps us with stress management, and can actually improve bowel habits um, some as well. So it's a really good strategy um, this is a, this type of patient um, is one that I love looping in physical therapists to help with 
so that they can build an, an exercise program for those folks that is safe um, and make sure we're doing exercises in the right way because we want kind of cardio activity and we also want some of that resistance and flexibility and balance training um, as well. I have several patients um, with Parkinson's and what their favorite thing is to do a stationary bike. Um, it helps them feel a little bit more stable um, instead of just, you know, walking or um, uh, swimming or any of those kinds of things. They really enjoy the bike. So it's going to be very individualized in, in, in the exercise plan that you adapt, but it's definitely worth speaking to your, um, to your neurologist or your primary care provider about exercising if you have um, Parkinson's disease. I'm Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We've been talking about Parkinson's disease today, and my guest has been Dr. Wong from UMC, the neurologist there. And we've answered lots of good questions and lots of good content about Parkinson's, but I want to make sure in this last couple of minutes of the show that we talk about an upcoming event that the Parkinson Foundation is doing here in Mississippi, um, and it's coming up later this week. It's called Living with Parkinson's. Let's talk about it. Symptoms Beneath the Surface. So tell us about this program, because you're going to be there. Yes, that's, uh, that's great. And, and, I know, and I'm very excited. You know, Parkinson's Foundation has been a very, you know, um, you know um, um, active uh, organization to try to promote community education and, uh, and lifestyle change and uh, treatment of Parkinson's disease, uh, supporting research and, you know, rest of it, you know. This is the first time actually Parkinson's Foundation. They've been doing, you know, a community education event for patients and family around the country. But this is the first time they actually come to Jackson, Mississippi. You know, we um, are working together for the last couple of months with a lot of uh, Parkinson's family and, and, you know, volunteers to try to start the first ever Parkinson's disease community educational event. And we're going to focus on the, you know, non-motor symptoms because that's something we tend to ignore and not pay attention. The event, as Jose said, it's in this coming Friday, April 2nd, uh, April 22nd, and started around 9.30 in, in the First Baptist Church in, in downtown Jackson. 
it's a free event. I will be there, and also we have a few uh, local expert experts, you know, for you know pharmacy, for um, physical therapy, speech therapies, occupational therapy, nutritionalists, and also you know local volunteers been having experience with the, you know, um, treating or dealing with Parkinson's disease as an expert panel. I think it's going to be a great event to to learn to know more about the Parkinson's disease, especially the non-motor function dysfunction part. And I hope this is something we, we're going to do, um, you know, more and to educate our uh, community to know Parkinson's disease to know how to reach out to their you know, care team and to live with the Parkinson's disease with better quality of life, with uh, you know, a positive um, quality of life and you know, to conquer the, the disease. Absolutely. And, you know, there, it's in person at the First Baptist um, Church in Jackson, but there's also a watch online through Zoom version. So if you're not super close and you still want to take part in that, that is um, an option as well. And there's also going to be a fitness demo. So that kind of uh, ties back into our exercise that we were talking about. So you can find information about that um, at Parkinson.org, or they have the event on Facebook as well. Or you can email me here, mpbonline.org, and I'll be happy to get you more information about how you can tune in for that event. We have just a couple of minutes left, and we do have a caller on the line. So I want to go quickly over to Gil in Madison and say, how can we help you today? Hey, Josie. Uh, this is uh, Gil Kim. Uh, just want to uh, let you know that we have a very robust and active Parkinson community in Jackson. And uh, earlier you talked about, uh, Dr. Wong talked about the exercise, rigorous exercise. Uh, we, we do have a... Uh, exercise program offer in First Baptist Church in Jackson. It's called a Rock Steady Boxing. We do boxing Tuesday and Thursday, 10 to 11. And uh, we have a, a almost a 40 participants, very active participants. Wow. And so if somebody's interested in how can they find out more information about that? Uh, you can call me, uh, Gil Kim, 601 Seven four nine six one zero one, and also we have a educa- monthly education and support group meetings uh, once a month as well. Wow, that is so wonderful! Thank you so much for calling us and giving us that great information. Thank you, Gio. and I, I think that's um, very important. As far as I know, that in uh, the metropolitan Jack and Jackson area, we have a, a, a few Parkinson's access program like that, the boxing program. There is also a so-called steady and strong Parkinson access program in YMCA. As a you know Parkinson's doctor, I always emphasize it's, it doesn't have to be fancy program, but you know whatever you can do, you can do it mm-hmm. on a regular basis makes more sense for our patient and family. You know, you, if you are, and it's very good to join a program, especially a group exercise program. But if you cannot come to Jackson, if you are living two hours away, find a way to exercise yourself. Anything you can do, you know, would be help for your disease and for the quality of life. Absolutely. And just in this last little minute, I just want to remind folks about the event coming up this Friday, April the 22nd at First Baptist in Jackson, but also an online option as well called Let's 
talk about it, symptoms beneath the surface. And Dr. Wong will be there as well as um, a panel of, of experts that will be able to offer some different things and that fitness demo as well. Again, you can find information about that at parkinson.org or on Facebook or by emailing us here at Southern Remedy. Um, that address is fit at mpbonline.org. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app.